Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. Podcast. This episode features Bill Chinnis. What I'd like to speak a little bit about today is um, is having a, a single purpose in our lives to, to serve God. Now that, that sounds a little bit obvious, especially as we're here standing in uh, our church camp and, and uh, you know, it, it's brought to our attention at a time like this. But when we're out there in our daily lives, sometimes that single purpose can, can fade a little bit. Um, I'd like to make a confession to you, uh, personal confession. Uh, you know, I've been now walking this way, and it seems unbelievable to me, for about 40 years. Uh, now that, as I've said that a few times around the camp this this week, I've been reminded that that still makes me kind of a middle-ager among, <laughs> among some of the ones that are here. We've already reminded this morning about that, but... Still, 40 years should be long enough that I should learn certain, certain things. And I confess that I have not always, and even recently, I don't always have a single purpose towards God. I, I let a lot of things distract me. Um, I've made a lot of golden calves for myself over the years, you know, come up with my own solutions to my, what I perceive my needs are. So as I speak today, I'm speaking to myself, honestly. Uh, and so if it is beneficial to you to hear what God is saying to me, then then praise the Lord. And I hope you'll bear with me. I, I thought I would start um, with a, a, a verse here um, this morning that has been read and read and read in our in this move of the Spirit, and certainly over this, this year in camps, I heard it at, at uh, Battleford, uh, listening to Battleford online, and I've heard it this week several times. And that, is, of course, is Romans eight twenty eight. <clears throat> so I'm going to read it and, and uh, speak that which God has revealed to me in it. Uh, I, and, and it reads this way, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Well, that sounds very nice, doesn't it? Things work together for good. But it's a little more, to me, it's a little more complicated than that because, you know, you, among other things, you have to answer this question, what, what, what is good then? All things work together for good. What, what good do we want? What is it that we're asking of God? What's good? I mean, we want to be fed. <laughs> we want our financial needs met. We want to be healthy. All of these things are good, and we're, we look for these things. And if we are spiritual, we look to God for those things which we need. We want to be happy, healthy, wealthy and wise, I suppose the rhyme goes. But is that really the good that God has for us? Is that, is that the end of, of the good that we're looking for? Because we know that not all things are good. All things work together for good, but not all things are good. When we are sick, that is not good. When we have difficulties in our family or a loved one that is struggling with our lives, that's not good. So this verse really just leads into the next verse. Which reads this way, and it's been read already this week, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So you could really paraphrase those two verses this way. All things work to conform us to the image of his son. So what is the good that we be conformed to the image of his son? There is no other good that's worthy of our desire, really. But I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. What does that really look like and what does it mean to be conformed to the image of his son? 
And uh, so, if you ask yourself that question, what you know, what is it that we desire of God? What would we ask? We could see what the psalmist says in Psalm twenty-seven. He says this. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek. One thing. One thing do I ask of the Lord. And this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. I have a lot of movie references in my head, and I apologize for that too. But uh, the one, uh, if you've ever seen um, Fiddler on the Roof, and uh, the, the character there, Tevye, he sings about if I were a rich man. And the, it's, a, it's a kind of a funny song, and he talks about things, but then it kind of turns serious, and he gets a tear in his eye, and he said, I could, I forget what he said, but I could, I could stand before the Lord, essentially, or in the gates, and, and inquire of God. I would have the time. You know, to seek after God. And that reminds me of what David is saying here. To, to seek Him in His temple. That's my desire. So that's, that's David's answer. What do we desire of God? That I might see Him. That I might know Him. And then we have in uh, uh, Philippians, we have Paul answering the question this way. What is it, what is it you want? Here's the, here's the answer. That he gives. I want to know Christ. Yes. To know the power of his resurrection. And participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in death. I normally print this and I'm fighting with my phone just a little bit here. But it. And becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining unto the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. And I love this picture. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining, (laughs) just straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not a person that started out my life early and and had a a real goal in mind. This is what I'm going to do, you know, and, and focus my whole life for it for some worldly goal I kind of sort of went with what came in front of me and um, but but I was granted a good bit of success in my in my carnal uh, efforts or my 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 walk you know in the world in my career and and other things and I will tell you that it, it was not always my highest priority or to serve God, or let's say I didn't bring God into everything I was doing, necessarily. Um, you know, if you ask a, a Christian man, or any Christian, uh, what are their priorities, in this context, in this setting, you know, what will you say? God first, family second, you know, and then whatever else there is, right? Career, or whatever activities we're doing. But the reality is, that at least for a large part of my career, I was involved in a manufacturing operation that was seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and I was kind of a lead technical guy, so I had my phones by my, my bedside day and night, and my mind was cranking with whatever was going on in work. And it became a place of retreat for me. It's a, it was the easiest part of my life was to go to work. And, it, and, and it's hard to argue with a man who says, hey, i got to go to work. <laughs> I'll deal with this later. <laughs> I've missed a lot of days at camp when I was in that part of my life because I retreated <laughs> to that part of that, that, that 
excuse. Now, I'm not saying that it wasn't in some ways justified, but I from here want to commit myself more fully towards this goal that Paul is talking about. I want to, I want to, I want to strain ahead for those things which he has for me. So I want to talk a little bit today about what that, what that kind of looks like. And is it achievable, I should say? That's a good question, too. We want to make that our goal. Both of those statements which I read are, are statements of a single-minded desire. They all both say this one thing, this one thing. So I, my question is, do we see God at work in everything we do? Now, this doesn't mean that we resign ourselves from every carnal activity. We are still going to work a job. We're still going to have activities that we enjoy. But it, can we see God in everything we do? It doesn't mean we have to, you know, sort of uh, put on sackcloth and go stand on the corner and preach, you know, in everything we do. We, in, you know, and yet we should be able to bring, we should be able to do two things. Our walk should be consistent with our, our, our profession. And we should be ready to speak the reason for our hope to whomever we're dealing with. Okay, let me transition with this scripture here. What does it look like to pursue God, to serve God? It means to serve his people and to serve the church. This is a practical thing we can do. So if we read from uh, Philippians, the second chapter, we have this passage starting in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather, in humility, in humility, speaking as a man, I, I'm sorry, I apologize to all you of the fairer sex. We're not a humble, we're not a hum, humble group, really. That's not a, a, a natural value for a man, is to humble ourselves and to be a servant. But this is what we're called to. In humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. This has already been read this week, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. The body ministry is, 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 is the most important thing, you know, that, that we have. The miracle that God, by his Holy Spirit, can empower each and every person from the newest member, if you will, you want to use that term, to the oldest. The Holy Spirit can empower them to, to speak the, 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 the precious words of God to us. But young people don't come along. Somebody says, what do you want to be when you grow up? They don't say, I want to be a servant. Because if you think about what that really means, a true servant has no life of their own. They only do what the master tells them to do. We want to kind of think about that a little bit when it comes to our walk with God. You know, are we a servant or are we running our own program? You know, we might say, I'm a Christian, I'm serving God, but we're kind of running our own program. So we need to meditate on that. Jesus himself made himself, took on the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. Humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So part of what it means to serve God and to, um, uh, well, I think a large part of what it means to serve God and have a single purpose to him is serving God's people, serving the church. When Jesus uh, was found in the temple by his parents and they asked him what in the world was he doing, <laughs> what was his response? I must be about my father's business. I must be about my father's business. If we are then to single-mindedly serve God, 
and his church, what business must we be about? What is our business? What is it that we have to say, I must be about my father's business? What, what business is that? How do we build up God's people and the church? How can we do that? How can each one of us do that? Not just the people we sort of recognize uh, as having a particular, uh, you know, sort of uh, abilities and, and gifts or whatever. But how do I, how does the humblest person build up the church of God and his people? What does that look like? I'm going to keep repeating that statement because it needs to be practical. I'm guilty of um, marveling over the scriptures and just thinking certain passages are just wonderful when you read them. And my, my wife reminds me, yeah, but how do we put that into practice? What does that, what does that really mean? And, and I've been learning over these years to, to consider not just marveling over things, but trying to find a way to put these things into, into real practice. So, how do we serve his people? Now, I'm not just talking about serving the, the committed Christians and the, and the ones who've come to the Lord. This begins with serving those people we meet out there in the world and bringing, bringing uh, people to Christ. That's a service to the church and a service to God's people, isn't it? But how do we do this, right? Well, there's a lot of ways, but I'm going to pick out a few. The first thing I can say is that we have to be an example of the thing that we are representing in our words. We first have to be an example of it. People have to see in us peace, you know, with all the turmoil. You know, people at work start talking about how bad things are. What do you think about what's going on in, you know, in Ukraine? Or what do you think about the politics going on in Washington? And all of this turmoil going on. They need to see us with a peace about us and a confidence. The scripture says that we should be ready to, to tell others the reason for our hope. Well, they first have to see that we have hope or they won't ask. Uh, Pauline, she's, she's the, by the way, she's the queen of one-liners. Uh, and uh, she comes up with them all the time and I, I appreciate that. Uh, and she came up with a new one here just a few weeks ago. Uh, somebody asked her about some something about politics. I don't remember what it was. And she said, uh, "Well, I'm, I'm not political. I'm spiritual." <laughs> <laughs> we, we've got we've said that a lot lately to ourselves. We're not political, you know. I don't I don't want to take sides in that in that sense because I want to be able to appeal to all people. If you can begin with Christ to anyone, then from there. The path can go forward. But if you start on the other side of a, a chasm from somebody, you're not, not going to have much to say to them. So I try to, and it's hard for me because I have opinions. I try to remember that principle, and she encapsulated that so nicely in a, in a real brief word. I'm not, I'm not political, I'm spiritual. That doesn't mean we don't have an opinion or an answer. We do have an answer, but our answer is spiritual. It's not political. So, we have to be an example. So, I'll read just a couple of verses that, that refer to this. 1 Peter 2 and 11. Uh, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans. That's a hard word, isn't it? The pagans. Do we live among pagans? We certainly do. We certainly do. And that is not to, to, to hate or to judge. It's a simple statement of the fact that you're either one of God's children or you're worshiping idols. That's the definition of a pagan. And so live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Live such good lives among the pagans 
I bet if I asked, there would be a dozen testimonies here of somebody that was in your life that you started out not having much in common with and they didn't think much of you and your religion. But over the years, as they watched your walk with God, even though you may not have preached to them, one day they came to you and said, you know, there's something I see about you that, uh, uh, that I respect. You know, that I, that I recognize as being not of this world. Anybody be able to testify to that? I'm not asking you for the testimony, but I just want you to... It has happened, and it's not something we take credit for, but it's God's working in us. But because we were faithful to be an example of one of God's children, gentle, peaceable, not argumentative, not angry, these are the things that we want the world to see among us. So we have to be an example um, Another one uh, in First uh, Timothy four and twelve. Don't look, don't let anyone look down upon you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech. Think about that: in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Oh. Talk about that first one in speech. The, the Bible says almost more about the tongue than anything, anything else that speaks about. I mean, it, it's amazing how much God has told us about how we use our tongues. We want to make sure that our speech is seasoned with love and, and truth. But there's these other things as well. So we are an example to the people on the outside of the church. And we are an example to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to do this. We want to do this. This is very, very important. If we do nothing else, if we never said a word of testimony or uh, a pre- never preached a word, we just, we just live our lives as, as God has, has, has told us. And we know what that looks like. The hypocrite, the person who has all the right words but none of the right actions, the, the hypocrite will, will never have an effective message. It won't be effective. People see through it very quickly, right? Now again, I'm reminding you, I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching at myself. These are things that I see in myself that I'm woefully short on many, many times. Now these are not necessarily in order of importance, but the next thing I had down here is ways... We can exercise our single purpose to serve God. How do we serve God? We create an example to others. And the second thing I have down here is is prayer. We had a time of prayer last night. Wonderful. Um, But I'm a fixer. I like to do things. I like to, you know, if you bring me a problem, my first instinct is not to pray. My first instinct is to fix it. I might give you some advice, or I might, you know, tell you who you need to call to figure that with that one out, or something like that. We ha- we have to begin to operate more in the realm of prayer, and believing that we are not only heard, but there'll be a result. And I'm sorry, I'm an engineer. I'm I'm very practical person. It's difficult for me. I will confess that to you. But God is helping me. God is helping me. We have to be in prayer. And so in 1 Timothy, the second chapter, the eighth verse, Therefore I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Uh, we've, we've had a lot of teaching along this line. I, I will tell you something you've heard from us before, us in Charlotte. Uh, we have uh, a dear lady who was with us many years. Her name was Arietta Black. And um, she would counsel the women that she counseled. If there's somebody that you're angry with, pray for them. It's not novel. You've heard this before, but it is tremendously effective. It's amazing how it changes your view of that person that you're angry at. Remind yourself that this is a child of God. Uh, I have this trouble. I, I've I've had problems with with anger. I mean, not so much 
abusive to others, but just in my own self, you know, I, it's easy for me to, to hear some opinion or see somebody doing something that I probably also do, but we'll leave that for another day, <clears throat> and, and be so angry. And I know it's not an anger that comes from God. I know that when I feel anger welling up within me, whether it's because of some news story, some political event, whatever it might be, that is not coming from God. And so, one of the things I try to do is to remember to pray for that situation or person that is making me angry. And it's simple. But this is one of the ways that we can serve God is to pray and serve his people to pray. Now, don't ask me why God chooses to have his people make a request to him when he already knows everything that needs to be done. Don't ask me that question, but I will tell you this. I know for sure that God in his sovereign power can do everything that needs to be done. But he has chosen to delegate and to work through his people and to delegate some of that to you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that marvelous? Can you imagine? That's what God is about. That is not the way I would have done it. I'll take care of it. Y'all sit back. I've got this. But God says no. And it requires a tremendous patience on his part. Because he's got things he wants to get done. And he's waiting for us. He's developing us. Little by little. So play your part. Pray. Raise these things before God. That are needful. In James 5 and 16. We have this. Therefore. Confess your sins. To each other. And pray. For each other. So that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful, powerful and effective. Would you like to be a person that's referred to as powerful? That's a powerful person. That's a powerful person. Oh, I, I, yeah, I like that. I like that label. I'll take that label. The prayer of a righteous person, a righteous man is power. A righteous person is powerful and effective. So when a person comes to you and they Maybe confess something to you. They ask for help. There's all kinds of ways people will confess to you. Sometimes it's not, you know, directly. They'll sort of hint about something. What is your response? Is it to uh, look down your nose, perhaps? Or maybe give them a bunch of advice? Sometimes counsel is called for. But the first thing is to pray for them. That God can help them. And uh, so prayer, prayer. Prayer, it's so important. This is a, an ordinance of God. It's not something we come up with, uh, but it's, it's, it's an ordinance of God to pray, to bring these things before his throne. So that's a, 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 an important element in having a single purpose to God and to, to serving God. We should be praying, a praying people daily, hourly. Again, I'm just telling you this because I have a hard time with it. Uh, I'm a fixer. I'm a doer. You know, and uh, uh, I need to learn this, to do this more and better. To, to really believe that, <laughs> that God's going to do something about this thing. You know, uh, Arietta, again, she, we, you know, she couldn't drive and we would drive her around and she'd pray for a parking space. Something that simple. And believe it or not, it worked. There's many people here can testify to that. So the little things, the simple things, and the big things. So, having set an example or lived an example, and having prayed, we can also be truth speakers. How can we serve God? We can speak the truth. We can be truth speakers. And... uh, I'll just read a couple of verses here, what God has called us to do in this area. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting from verse 1, 
<laughs> I'm sorry, this is a pet <laughs> verse of mine. It's going to be one of my diatribes. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll try to moderate it a little bit, but let me just read it anyway. It's a, it's a favorite passage right now for me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and 1. And so it was with me, my brothers and sisters. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. So it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Now, let me just say it this way. There's a lot of voices out there in the world today. You know, with the media that we have today uh, and, and every avenue of the media, um, used to be we had three channels on TV. That was about it. You know, and that, that, the fun of that ran out pretty quick. But now it's 24-7. Boom, boom, boom. Everybody's got an opinion and everybody can give an opinion. They, I, I realize that on, on the Internet today there are those who are referred to as influencers. And that means you have a YouTube channel. There's a lot of voices, a lot of opinions. It, you know, pick a, pick a topic, pick a subject, you know, politics or some, some issue of politics or, or other lifestyle things, whatever it is, pick a topic. How many people are there in the U.S.? What's the population? It's 400 and, huh? I think there's about 300 million adults probably, but I'm not sure. It's a lot of people, right? And every single one of them has an opinion. Do they need mine on that particular subject? <laughs> I don't think so, Ted. They, they don't know they need it. They do need it, but they don't know they need it, right? On the other hand, how many people are in this room that have the gospel of Jesus Christ? Not too many. So what do we need to be doing? What do we need to represent? What message should we have? And unadulterated. You like, like that word, unadulterated? I think that's a pretty good word there. It just means pure, not mixed with something else. People would uh, take a substance that was very valuable, and they'd say, well, I've only got a little bit of this. They'd mix it in with something else to make it bigger. That was called, uh, that's called adulteration. You've, you've altered it. And it really it loses its effectiveness at that point. And when we mix our precious message with all sorts of rantings and, and opinions, we've, we've lost something. And this is what Paul is saying. So I'll continue to read. He said, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, for I resolved, I resolved, I determined myself to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Isn't that something? That is the message we have for the world. That's it. Not right or wrong on, on every issue that's out there, political or social. We have a message. Christ and Him crucified. Uh, I'm not going to talk about divisive issues uh, specifically, but pick one and imagine it in your mind. And imagine somebody who's on the other side of that issue from you. You may be a pretty good debater. You may have all your facts straight. And once in a million times, you might convince them that they're wrong. But most of the time, you're not. And it doesn't matter how right you are. And it doesn't matter how straight you've got your facts. People who want to believe the lie will believe the lie. No matter how little foundation they have to stand on it. You're not going to get very far. But if they come to the Lord... And you bring them there by your gentleness and your, your, your singular message and your non-judgmental manner. Watch as they walk that path towards the truth. Amen. We've seen it. I've seen it. You know, I've got enough evidence. I, um, another message uh, I could give, and I won't right now, but is on the matter of faith. Because I have a hard time with faith, too. I'll just tell you, as a literal person, I, I, I struggle with, with that. <clears throat> but I will tell you now, 40 years has been long enough to at least see this much. I may have said before, I believe. In other words, I just said, well, I, I don't quite get it, but I'll just, I'll just commit myself to it. Right? That's I believe. But I, there's a lot of stuff now I can say I know. Because I've seen it happen. And I've seen people come into the church very raw in their opinions, having social opinions very different than mine. But we had one thing in common. 
Christ and Him crucified. And watch God do the transformation in them. Just by walking together with us side by side. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that what we want? So the Lord help us in that. So anyway, he says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Let it be, O Lord. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. On God's power. We think we, if we don't talk somebody into something the right way, it's not going to happen. But it's God's power that's going to do the work. We don't have to find all the right words. We just speak simple truths and let God do his work. Praise God. Praise God. I hope my I, I, I countenance is too stern. I have a way of getting real serious about these things, but I, uh, I'm just rejoicing in these things. They're, they're beautiful truths, aren't they? Amen. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, um, verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ Jesus. That's when we speak the truth in love, we will grow to become the mature body of him who is the head, which is Christ. For from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I used to think that speaking the truth in love meant only speaking the truth when it was going to be well received. You know, but that's not what he, he's saying there. We speak the truth, even when it's not when it's something that somebody doesn't want to hear. But we do it with a loving intent. The intent is that they would come to the, to the truth, come to the Lord. We do it with love. And when we do that, it will be seen that way. It will be seen that way, not judgmentally, not feeling superior. I know more than you do. I'm better than you are. I'm higher up the ladder than you are. But speaking the truth with with a loving intent, you know, a, a servanthood. I appreciate what was said earlier this uh, uh, week about the kingdom. Uh, we will not be sitting up on our high chairs as others look at us uh, with wonder at how how wonderful we are that we, we that we that we are there in the kingdom. But we will be serving. We will be serving. I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. And that's the way we want to be now with people. You know, a very loving way dealing with people there's other ways that we can serve right so we've what have we mentioned we've mentioned our example and we've mentioned prayer uh, and we've mentioned our speech truth truth speaking right these are things we can do to 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 serve god and the church and i'll just name a few more without going into much uh, detail our gifts and ministries you we know what these are we, we pretty much know uh, those who have been prayed over and even those who have not, they perceive what God has put in them that they can they can add and contribute to the church. And this is a way we can serve God. And we should meditate on this and practice. Make sure we're practicing that. One thing we must must not do in the local assembly is lose body ministry. We must not lose prophecy. We must not lose singing in the spirit. We must not lose testimony and teaching, not just from the, bre- the elders. It's going to be a sad day when the local church is just a matter of coming in to hear the message from the elders. That's all well and good. But we must not lose the body ministry. The gifts and ministries that God has given to each and every member. This is the way we serve God and serve his people. You want to know what to focus on, what to do with your life? I'm not sure what to do with my life. These are the things you, you should be thinking about doing. Being an example, speaking words of truth, praying, performing your, your gifts and ministries, not just in the church service. Those gifts and ministries can, can, can be yours seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Amen. Many other ways we can serve God's people in charity when we see a need. Mutual encouragement. How many people simply need 
a word of encouragement. A call, a phone call, or some other way to say, I'm thinking about you, I love you. How are things going? You know, I'm with you here. I'm shoulder to shoulder. It doesn't mean I know how to fix your problem. It doesn't have to, although I like, I like to do that as much as I can, as I told you. I'm a fixer. I will, I will say, sometimes when I say it that way, it makes it sound like a noble thing, right? I'm a fixer. No, mostly it's because I want people to think of, think how great I am, you know, how, how skilled I am or, or why. So I have to be careful about that. But, you know, sometimes I will say this, and I'm sure you've had this experience as well, in counsel. Think about counsel. Somebody's got some issue or problem. They're not quite sure how to handle it or they don't want to handle it by themselves. And so they come and they tell you their problem. I have seen, I saw it in my uh, elder, fellow elder Paul Hine when I first came into the church and, and was sort of sitting at his feet, you know, studying the, uh, the ministry there, that many times all he had to do was listen. And then God revealed the answer to the person who was, speak, who was, who was doing the confessing or, or, or talking the problem. So we encourage one another. We're listening to one another. Listening um, attentively and patiently. Now that's hard. And it's hard for me. And you've, if you've talked to me very long, you probably realize I'm not real good at just being patient and listening. But it's such a tremendous gift we can do for one another. So many ways that we can serve one another. So now we hear this, right? We hear that God has chosen us and he's given us a ministry and he, he's given us a calling and... We are to serve him, and then we say, okay, well, what does that look like? So now we start to understand a little bit about what it looks like to be a good example and to pray and to speak good words of truth and, and, and to uh, uh, operate our gifts and ministries and to uh, be charitable to one another and all of this. And we start thinking, wow, this is a huge <laughs> deal. I'm, not, I'm a mess. You know, I'm just, I've just barely started in this stuff. What am I, how am I supposed to do all of this? And so we start asking ourselves, how am I going to do this? God has given us a tremendous help in this. Now, as one, the first, the very first thing that God has given us to allow us to do these things is his blood, his grace, his forgiveness. You know, if we weren't forgiven of God, we could do nothing for him. You know, I think about the temple. And the, the, the fear and trembling knees that the high priest would have going in through that curtain and beginning to touch and handle these things which had been given, you know, that were God's come right into his presence. And, and I'll tell you, I wouldn't dare touch the things of God on my own righteousness. I wouldn't dare. The, the fear would overwhelm me. But by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus, if you really believe, if you really believe that grace is complete, then there's nothing you cannot do with his power. Because it's him that does it. You know, it's his, it's his righteousness. It's his, his, so one of the dangers, uh, uh, you know, one of the lies of the enemy is that you're not good enough. Or you need to get this straightened out first before you can serve me. Uh, or you're too new in this. You can't, you can't work with me yet. You know, it is our natural inclination to get my own life all cleaned up. And when I'm perfected, I can serve God. And that's, that's an absolute lie. God can use us right now exactly the way we are by his power and by his grace. And we know, we all know, we've seen people, and maybe we've seen it in ourselves, who kind of say, ah, I'm such a mess, I really can't help anybody else. And that's a lie. And in fact, the opposite is true. And when we're in our worst circumstance, we begin to help somebody else, what happens? We, we begin to get relieved of those things that have been, that, that have been holding on to us. And uh, we've seen it. We've seen it. We know it's true. So the first thing God has given us to help us is His, is his grace. His forgiveness, His blood. That's the first thing He's given us. Now we, we're, we're into the inner sanctum. Now we can begin to operate in this area. But then what's next? The Holy Spirit. 
Not only has he saved us and forgiven us, but now he said, hey, and there's more. Not only are you forgiven, you get to go to heaven when you die. Not only that, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to start recruiting you for some work here. I'm going to give you the tools you need. Now, what does the Holy Spirit give us? And I'm skipping over some of the verses. And, and uh, if you're writing down verses for the first one, you can read for grace. You can write down Colossians 1 and 12, that little passage there. And then, but the Holy Spirit, there are two things the Holy Spirit does for us. Probably more than that. I'm just saying. One is the spirit of truth. This, uh, this, this book we talk a lot about right here, the, these pages with this ink on these pages, you know, it's a pretty much dead letter to the human intellect. It, it doesn't do the human intellect much good at all. Uh, I, I, I worked for a man uh, who I liked a lot. I don't really know where he was with the Lord, which probably tells you he was, if anything, at a very um, nominal area. But he told me one time, I think I was probably talking about my church, you know, I was pretty young and bold and all that. And all I've read the Bible through two times. But it didn't mean anything to him. It didn't really change his life. It's a dead letter. And yet, by the Holy Spirit, every deep truth of God is given to us. <laughs> Marvelous. Marvelous by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. So how do we serve God's people? What do we have? What tools do we have to help us? We have grace and we have truth. Now we know some things. We know something about God and we can encourage others with those things we know. But then the second thing the spirit is, is a spirit of power. You know, I, I love the story of Peter who one minute was denying that he belong to Christ and then after the Holy Spirit had come he's the one that leaps up before all of Jerusalem and he tells them exactly who Jesus was and really gives them a tough message that's the Holy Spirit that's the power in the Holy Spirit we need to access the Holy Spirit more we need to recognize within us the spirit of truth, that we know some things. We know some stuff. We know some stuff about God. We, we live with it, perhaps in so long, we take, it, we take it for granted. But these things are unknown to the people on the outside. So we can minister to those on the outside, we can minister to people inside the church by the truth that he has revealed by his spirit. And we can do it in the power that he's given us by the spirit. It, it, you know, the weakest one among us is, is strong in the, in, the, in the spirit. And so we could read about the Holy Spirit as a tool, as a, as a help to do the will of God. Uh, I had two verses here, uh, John 16, 12 to 14, and Acts uh, 1 and 8. And I won't go into those in any great detail now. What's, the, what's another thing that he's given us? As a tool, as a help to do His will. We say we want to do His will. We want to be a good example. We want to speak truth. We want to be able to pray and all these things we want to be able to do. But how do we do it? What, is he, what, are, what are the tools we have at our disposal? We, we have grace. We have the Spirit. And we have the Word. We have the Word. The Scriptures. What a tremendous miracle this is. The, 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 the Word that has been given to us Revealed by the Holy Spirit is tremendous. No other book has made such a change and difference in the world history. And even that really doesn't speak about what the scriptures is. Every truth of God is here. He's revealed himself in it. Unbelievable. So we have the word and we have to take advantage of it. To help us do the work of God. Um. Two more things I'll mention and then I'll be done uh, regarding our, what we have to help us. We have the church. We have the order. We have headship. I don't know if you appreciate uh, how much peace you can have knowing you stand behind someone who is taking authority and who, who, who is your head. 
It relieves you of a lot of responsibility, I'm telling you. Um, the uh, Jesus Christ stands before God as our advocate. He's our head, isn't he? How does that protect us, shield us? He, we stand kind of behind Jesus. As, 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 you know, we, no, we have free access to God. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we don't. But I'm just saying that from, a, from an authority point of view, we have Jesus standing before us. We don't have to answer to God on our own, out of our own heads. We have Jesus to teach us and, and to stand before us as an advocate. But as members of this body, we have more than that. We have the fivefold ministry who answers to God. You, you want to be, uh, you know, I, I think about submission, right? And it's already been mentioned, the submission uh, that the ladies are called to in the, in the home. Um, but we're all under submission. We're all under submission. And um, we can freely say, hey, you know, uh, I, um, if I'm obedient to what the, what the headship has said, I'm, I'm good. You know, um, the tithe is one of those areas. You know, you people who, who who give the tithe are not responsible for how it's how it's administered. They they just give it, and they're blessed by it. If for some reason it's not administered well, they won't have to answer for that. You know, and so we we have a tremendous peace and protection being under the cover and in submission to the order of the church. So how do you serve God and the, and the people of God? You know, what tools do you have to help you? One of them is this, is this order we stand in. We know exactly where we fit. And we, we know who our heads are. We know who uh, uh, is, is, in the, is going before us. So that's enough said. We have the church as a resource. It's a tremendous resource. And lastly, as a help, we have our brothers and sisters. How do we walk this way? How do we serve God and serve his people? How do we find the strength to do that? We, we, we rely and we lean upon each other. We gain encouragement from each other. We can't do this on our own. One thing I was going to say back in the early part of this where we say we want to, be, we want to take on a Christ-like nature. We want to be like Jesus. We sing songs like that. And we used to wear the little rubber bracelets, you know, that said something like, what would Jesus do? And we tend to think about it as a personal quest. I want to be like Jesus. But really, the fact of the matter is, none of us is going to be like Jesus all on our own. We are the body of Christ. And that which I lack, I will gain from you. And together, we will be like Jesus. And that's what we want. Praise the Lord. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit, or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.